Meditation. 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 Depending on the quality of my mind. You know, there's good days and bad days. I mean, I feel like the waterfall of thoughts. Every now and then, a nice, calm. Can't think of anything. This is Meditation in the City. The Shambhala New York Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City podcast, a podcast where we explore topics on Buddhist meditation and maintaining a meditation practice amidst living in a busy world. My name is Francesca, and I'm your host. The title of this episode is Explorations of the Shambhala Teachings. This talk was recorded in 2016. In these uncertain times, This episode presents a foundational talk by Eric Spiegel about the essential teachings of the Shambhala tradition. Eric has been a student and teacher in the Shambhala tradition since his teens. His teachings are filled with warmth, humor, and precision. The Meditation in the City podcast is hosted by the Shambhala Meditation Center of New York. Here's Eric to take away the discussion. So the central key teaching that the Buddha gave is that he recognized that people are constantly fluctuating in fear and uncertainty, and yet he could clearly see that they all had um, incredible power and depth and that they had nothing actually that was lacking. And uh, that he could, through his uh, teachings, begin to show people how to see this in themselves and in each other. So part of it is seeing it in yourself and part of it is seeing in the world around you that you're not Uh, We go through, I'll speak for myself here, but maybe you'll feel some echo of this. We go through a lot of our life either feeling like we're better than everyone else, or smarter in some way, or above, and then alternately in the next second feeling uh, less (laughs) worthy and less successful and less beautiful and less wealthy and less everything. And so on the one hand, we're um, having like uh, cycles of pride and in the next moment or even simultaneously somehow cycles of poverty mentality and just feeling our complete and very little sense of, and every now and then we might get a glimpse of actually just being that might In the Shambhala teachings, we talk about nature a lot. And that um, sometimes the sense, that place that is neither uh, high nor low, neither cycling up nor sinking down, um, not, um, but just genuine, is sometimes really easy to feel when we're in nature, when we feel uh, sunlight or smell uh, trees and or hear, sit by a stream or even or 
hear birds and uh, <clears throat> just to kind of um, that we actually just feel what our, we could say is our humanness. And so the whole journey, the whole path set out is how do we actually connect with that? And then how do we stabilize it? And how do we orient our life from that point of view of actually uh, feeling the empowerment of being human? Which means that we actually feel things. It means that we feel sadness and we feel joy. I, have, I take care of a relative who is um, in, who has dementia, uh, my late father's wife, and um, <clears throat> for sort of the best protective situation, we moved her to a retirement community in Florida where she's in a really good care facility. And, um, when I, and I go and visit her every couple of months to just check in on things. And um, <clears throat> this is sort of a tangent. Uh, the whole retirement community scenario is designed so that you don't feel the real the sharp edges of life. So you don't actually feel sadness and you don't actually really feel joy kind of things are just kind of like everything's kind of like cultivated to be lukewarm, kind of like just like okay. And um, so I go down there and I just like, okay, this is like everything I'm not doing in my life. <laughs> this is like every every choice I haven't made is like just on display and um, so, you know, and in her situation, it's actually perfect, and she has relatives there who can look in on her frequently, and, and um, she's in a good situation. But for me, what I want to actually feel is my life. I want to feel the current and uh, maybe not be overwhelmed by it, but know that I'm in the movement of existence, that I'm somewhere between birth and death, that I'm, uh, there's one part of us that's developing and one part of us that's uh, declining at the same time, which is really the pathway of, from the moment we're born until the moment we die, that there's both um, generation and degeneration happening. And this sense that we could actually feel who we are, make friends with it. So meditation practice, which is the basic tool of the Buddhist and Shambhala teachings, is the process of making friends with ourselves. The process of making... Um, when we see ourselves um, displaying traits that we're not that proud of, either fear or aggression, or um, <clears throat> and whatever else, all the other things that manifest. Um, 
And we're actually afraid sometimes to think, well, what's there if I don't have this manifestation, if I don't show my anger, show my pride, or <clears throat> ask for pity, or whatever it is, you know, or come on to someone, or push people away, whatever our individual uh, style is, uh, which all of us have, and you could probably just for the moment, take a moment and just uh, do a quick analysis of, you know, some of the ways that you habitually react to the world that um, <clears throat> also supports you. Um, and then we think, well, okay, but if I'm not that, then what's there? So meditation is the kind of ground to start to discover that. So a lot of times when people meditate, their experience is that they think they're not doing it right. Has anybody had that experience? So, <laughs> and, um, so that's the actual practice of meditation is the experience of not meditating. Because when you sit down, the first thing that you notice is that you have continual thoughts and you have continual desires and you have continual projects and you have continual storylines about this person and that person and work and love and family and <clears throat> how to decorate your house or apartment and all the things that we are constantly running on about which um, and we think, well, you know, obviously that's who I am, so I'm not going to give that up. So, and then when we think, oh, I'm supposed to be meditating, oh, I wasn't meditating. So the meditation is actually that moment in which you notice that you weren't meditating. That's the meditation, that moment in which you know, if it's the meditation, if you do one further thing, you say, oh, and you come back to just being here for that moment. Maybe it's one breath, maybe it's seven breaths. Maybe it's a grand 30 seconds before the waves of your desires and your fantasies pick up again, your fears or whatever it is, your projects. There's this moment where you see your mind and you come back to just being in your body, being in the place where you actually are and feeling this breath this heartbeat, this sensation. And then the whole thing picks up again. So there are these two things. I, I just want to come back for a moment. This is a really simple talk. I called it, I've been calling my Dharma gathering talks Essentials of the Shambhala Teachings just so that I can present the most basic understanding. Uh, and then people can, we can talk about it a little bit. So I have these two programs. 
<clears throat> unconditional confidence and feel human again. So these are really two stages, you could say. The first is feel human, and the second is developing confidence. So that moment of feeling human, that moment that I'm calling the actual meditation, the moment where you actually are where you are and who you are in between everything else, which is not very, it's not a substantial thing. You don't suddenly arise and feel like you're the Buddha. You just are there, not doing it. It's like the project just dropped for a moment. The project of maintaining yourself. And then the second thing is, well, this whole journey, the whole path of meditation, the whole, which is a, from my point of view, as you sort of heard, is a lifetime a journey, that the path is about actually exploring that moment and figuring out what's held, what's the jewel that's held within that. What is me, my nature, your nature? Um, <clears throat> we think we're these displays. We think that we're our accomplishments and our failures. But from what the Buddha saw is that there's much, something much more potent and powerful there. And that all of these other things, all of your loves and all of your delights and all of your joys and all of your art or your reading or your speech, your dance, your work, your accomplishments, are those are the ornamentation. I think you could also say also the things that haven't worked out and that are your fears or your sadnesses are also your ornament, the ornamentation. And then the project is actually developing the, finding out what are they the ornamentation of. In the Shambhala, in the Buddhist teachings, traditionally that's called bodhicitta, awakened heart. And in the Shambhala teachings, we use the words basic goodness, meaning a sense of um, potentiality that's always there. That goodness meaning that anything could arise from it. It's like a ripe petri dish that could give rise to wisdom and compassion. And uh, so that's the project. And I invite everyone, we're at the beginning of a season and at the beginning of a cycle and the two real beginnings, the two times that the year begins, we have sort of fresh starts, are at the end of summer after Labor Day, I think culturally people experience this, and then also at New Year's, that we have a break at the end of the year and then we start again and we know that the seasons are going to begin to warm up soon. <laughs> the days will get longer. And um, so people could think about, like, this is this year ahead. What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do? 
And so I really invite people, wherever you are and wherever you are on your journey, and whether you're interested in, you know, becoming Buddhist or just exploring meditation, um, I really invite you to step onto the path. The way it's described is um, all the pretty much all the things we think of as obstacles are considered stepping stones. So we're never really like we're never like all the things that you think are the obstacles in your way are the working basis. They're where we we begin. We we be, we begin with our pride and our poverty, or our fantasies and our desires, and um, and then we just move um, at human pace, right? So everyone nowadays with the internet, everyone thinks everything should be at superhuman pace. That we should have a, a complete accomplishment. Tomorrow, if we find someone and they don't, they're not everything. We think they're not enough and they're not anything. If we have a job, we want to be president of whatever it is, uh, not apprentice. But in the Dharma, we always start with the thoughts that we have. <laughs> So we always begin at the apprentice level and we begin just sitting for short periods and experiencing the movement of our mind and these peri periodic moments of just noticing and being and then getting swept up again. So I really invite people to step on the journey. I invite people if you would like to to ask me about the weekend one of Shambhala training and um, and if you have any questions or anything you'd like to uh, ask me about meditation or about anything I've said, um, please we'll take a, we'll have a few minutes for conversation. Hi, good to see you again. Yes, uh, I have a very fundamental question. If you could just address it, I know it's kind of big. Uh, I'm kind of going through a transformational stage of my life, kind of like, almost you could say, a recovery of my soul. And uh, in the shamanic okay. beliefs, they call it an idea is like soul retrieval. But I was wondering in the Shambhala tradition, how would you describe, like, what, what is the soul and some kind of idea of, like, how there might be a sense of reconnection, maybe via meditation. I, or through some yeah. of the, anything would be very helpful for Okay. Me. So Buddhist traditions, generally speaking, don't use the word soul. They don't, except they don't say, so soul from, I would say, uh, I use the word humanness, honestly. That's the word I use, is like, how do you actually come back to feeling yourself and to feeling your uh, life force and um, feeling connected to your life and your world? And 
You know, it sounds like maybe you've been through something traumatic and it's hard for me to really address that without knowing more details and this and the I could talk to you afterwards. The group probably isn't the appropriate place for uh, something very personal. But um, in general, there's the meditation we do, which we've been teaching and I've been talking about, which is called shamatha. And then there are other kind, other forms of contemplative meditation, which are more, um, which happen within the context of shamatha meditation. Uh, peaceful abiding meditation or tranquility meditation and the other meditations are called loving kindness and so it sounds like something that brings you to really feeling your heart is would be something that would be really beneficial and um, I was talking with a student today about this so the two people I can think of who really actively teach loving-kindness meditation are Sharon Salzberg and Tara Brock, who are both of the insight meditation tradition, and they have, both have many books. One, Sharon Salzberg has one called Loving-Kindness, and Tara Brock has a book called Radical Acceptance. Hi. Um, you said loving-kindness meditation. I've I want to know if it's Tung Lin or uh, yes. Bhavana. Yes, yes, Maitri Bhavana. Yes. And Tung, yes. Um, is there yes. is is there a difference between them? Or? Yes. So, well, there are many kinds of so, the Shambhala and Buddhist paths are paths of compassion, but before we jump into compassion, we have to know where we are. So, and what's there that we can extend out. So I would say that shamatha, generally speaking, shamatha is the ground, loving kindness is second, and so Tanglen is a compassion, more of an outgoing. Uh, Pema Chodron, who holds the same title I do, only she's much more like Pema Chodron than I am. She's also an Acharya. Um, she has taught extensively on Tonglen, and which is, uh, in English, it's called sending and receiving. And so it's like sending out your uh, kindness and receiving the suffering of others. And so that's an, that's a, that requires, a, from my point of view, that requires a greater, you need to already know quite a bit. You need to know what the Buddhist teachings are a little bit before that you can do that in the way that it's actually uh, intended, where you actually know what it is to be egolessness rather than that you're just kind of sending out your own ideas about what's good and bad and, you know, kind of, so there's more. So first thing is this, developing a sense of your humanness and then you can send it out anywhere you want. If you're, I guess, in a, like, for me, I'm in, like, a business relationship with somebody and I'm having a really hard time, like, getting them to do what I need them to do and I find myself <laughs> just getting, like, so frustrated and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be Buddhist about this. I'm just going to, like you know, just take a breath or think about it from their perspective and it's, I just need them to do what I want to do and I find Clarity. 
Clarity is really good. Clarity without aggression. If you can do clarity without aggression, if you need aggression, add the aggression. But I would try to really be clear, like really n know what you want to say and say it. And I need, this is where we are. This is what I'm not getting. This is, I run a business, I run a company. So I have to tell, I have to talk to people about um, um, goals and expectations <laughs> all the time, you know. And um, um, uh, but clarity is really good. So lack of clarity causes more confusion. And so being vague, you think it's being nice. You think you're, you're experiencing kindness and you're just, they don't know what you want and you don't know what they're, why they're not doing what you want and the whole thing is like just suffering actually. And so, <laughs> so it doesn't always end well. Clarity doesn't always end well because maybe the person can't do what you want and isn't the right person and that's possible. So, but at least it's a business relationship and not your husband, so. That's so. another story. That's a, okay. Next time I'm here, we'll talk about that. And so, <laughs> yes. Um, I'll be waiting for you, Annie. <laughs> um, I like how you teach, and I, like, I liked what you said tonight, and you did touch on unconditional um, uh, confidence, and I just did the Rigdon, and and it was about un it was about unconditional. You know, well, what we were taught is that we have innate confidence, and that it's not tied to reference points, meaning you know all your achievements, you went to school, your words. But of course, for me, of course it is. You know, hold the mic I'm sorry. closer. But you know, I think of course it is. I mean, my confidence is there because of achievements or because of, you know, someone likes my work and so I have the confidence. And, um, and then when that doesn't happen or if, you know, say I didn't go to the right school, I mean, I have that, you know, I did go to a good school, but if I didn't, um, you know, then, then, you know, I, I don't have the confidence. So can you speak about that? Because I think it is tied to reference points, but I understand that we have to let that go, that we have to, you know, go deeper and, and not have it matter. But it, we it have to discover the inherentness, and then we have to be the thing that's inherent. So the job and the hairdo are not inherent. <clears throat> And um, they just aren't, you know. The way you look today is not inherent because you didn't look that way a different time and you won't look that way some other time. And um, even if you were an incredible ballerina, at some point you won't be able to do that. And so that's not inherent. But this goes back to this the fundamental essence of the Buddhist teaching is that 
all beings. He didn't even just say all human beings. He said all beings, so that's like down to the amoeba. <laughs> have, we have fundamental wisdom and compassion. The fundamental ability to be the Buddha, to be majestic without pride or fear, because they know their own heart, even amoebas who don't have hearts. They have that ability. So it happens that humans have the best set of uh, circumstances to actually experience that because we, although many humans are struggling for uh, food or protection, we have the ability to actually create our own world in the best situations. So we have the ability to create the situation in which we can actually relax and then look at our minds, which most animals don't have. So you find it in the moment. The question was, in my practice, where do I find it? In the moments when you're not finding it, notice that as your mind. And then come back to just being and relaxing in that just being, even if it's just the most brief moment. Notice that as, your, as the activity of your mind and then shift Feel your breath, feel your heart. And it all starts up again immediately. That's just what it, but then see it again. I guess I have two questions, but we'll see how it goes. Um, so I'm finding that every time I'm planning to do like a week ten or a doctrine, which is like a week of meditation or a month of meditation, things... For those casual people <laughs> around here, yeah. Things come um, up. Like things in my life are getting in the way and they're not frivolous things. Like my dad's very ill and I just got into a dance company and yeah, yay. Um, but... I feel conflicted because yeah. I also want my spirituality and my meditation <clears throat> practice to be at the forefront of my life. But I'm, I guess my question is, was there ever a time where it was appropriate that you weren't going on, like, was there a year that you didn't do a week of meditation or... Yes. You know what I mean? Was there a time where it made sense or... For me, you yeah, mean? Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. So for the last three years, so I've been... A uh, company that I've been involved with for eight years uh, unfortunately became highly successful three years ago <laughs> and I've been working my ass off and I've this whole year has been about trying to get back to so I've cut my teaching way back I used to travel continually and I've really been teaching just New York New York New York and a little bit of Boston or Montreal and 
New York. And so I've been, for this whole year, my goal has been to rebalance. And all of my efforts have continually failed one after another. The person I trained for six months gave notice last week. And so, um, <laughs> so, um, so I'm just going on retreat in October. I'm just going on retreat. And it, things will, I'm not at that beginning stage of my dance company or my, and you know, and there are things you have to do in life. You have to take care of people who rely on you. And I had four years where I took care of two falling down parents. And when my father passed away and I had taken care of that completely properly, I then was immediately able to go on retreat. I was immediately able to launch, relaunch my teaching, teaching longer programs again. And then, so there are cycles of life continually, you know, people have children, people fall in love, have families, and people have careers. And, and figuring out at any moment what the priorities are and holding, no, if you know what your priorities are, then when the moment that, that you can actually do it opens up, you'll be there. If you're vague about what your priorities are, then it'll nev you'll never be able to decide between this and that. So, you know, going away for a week when your father is ill and he'll probably be ill for some extended time, that may not be such a big issue. There's always phones, you can always come back. <clears throat> going away for a month when someone's offered you a a chance to dance that you've been trying to do for a long time, maybe that's not the best time. Thank you. So I'd like to end here. I just want to say I really appreciate everybody taking uh, their Tuesday evening and coming and um, touching into something genuine and real. And I really encourage you to take a dive into the stream. Thank you. Have a really good evening. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, we invite you to leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and share this episode with your friends. Shambhala NYC also offers a variety of meditation courses for meditators of all levels. Check out our upcoming programs at shambhalanyc.org. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.